Welcome to episode six of Informed Aging, a podcast about health, help, and hard decisions for older adults. My name is Robin Roundtree. I work for Senior Helpers, servicing Orange, Osceola, and Seminole counties in Central Florida. In addition to working in the senior care industry, I spent six years as a family caregiver. With me is my co-host, Edith Gendron. She is the Chief of Operations for the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center with nearly 30 years of service to elders. She's also a Positive Approach to Care certified trainer and a former family caregiver. We started this podcast because of all the things we've learned in our jobs and in our lives that most older adults don't know that they should know. So the thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to us, not our wonderful employers and sponsors. If you want to get mad, get mad at us and not at them. Finally, consult with the experts in your own life before making changes in your life with your person's life. This is a very general podcast, not aimed to a specific person. Today, we're going to be talking about what I do for a living, which is working in home care. What does that mean? It's, it's a big thing. So we're going to break it down and explain it to you after these messages. For over 35 years, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, ADRC, has served as a Central Florida-based grassroots nonprofit and community resource center. They're dedicated to providing support and hope for families and individuals caring for a loved one with some form of dementia. ADRC empowers caregivers with the knowledge, support, and programs to help them prepare for and cope with the challenges that lie ahead. To learn more, visit the website adrccares.org. Senior Helpers is the only home care agency offering a revolutionary new way to approach senior care, the Life Profile Assessment. This data-based app is a crucial tool in helping seniors age safely and successfully at home. Combined with our proven in-home care programs and trained caregivers, the Senior Helpers Life Profile is leading the way to better outcomes for our clients. For more information, log on to SeniorHelpers.com. And welcome back. Today, it's me. (laughs) I am Robin. I am the host. My co-host, Edith, is here. She's going to help ask questions. But first, kind of let me explain what Senior Helpers does. That is the agency that I work for. It's the agency I use to care for my own mother when she had Lewy body dementia. And I got such a help from this company, this franchise in Central Florida. I could call with questions. What can I do about this behavior? What's happening here? And the caregivers they sent, the majority were amazing, and I learned so much from them. So after my mother passed, I look back at all that I had learned and decided to change my career to come work for Senior Helpers. Now I'm over three years in and know this is exactly the turn my life was supposed to take. So what is home care? Well, there's home care that refers to physical therapy, occupational therapy, that sort of thing. That is prescribed by your doctor, usually paid for by Medicare or your insurance. They're coming to your home for about 45 minutes, leading you through exercises. There's a start point and a finish point. So that's not exactly what Senior Helpers does. If you need that, we can refer you to the right company. But then we go into what do I do? 
Yes. And at ADRC, Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, we often refer people to using a what we say is a home health non-medical agency, which means you do not need a prescription. Right. right. But there are important things between these types of home health agencies to know, specifically between um, a company like Senior Helpers that is referred to as an agency versus one that might be referred to as a registry. So can you lead us through that? Can you explain to us why it's so important to understand the difference between those two? Yes, absolutely. And again, these are general terms. So make sure if you're out shopping that you ask these things. But an agency, the caregivers that are going into the homes are employees of the agency. Typically, like senior helpers, we are covering their workers' comp insurance. So if Sarah goes into your home and hurts her back while assisting your mom, you could be legally responsible for a workplace injury. Now, because she is our employee, Sarah's got workers' compensation insurance through us, and we're going to pay for those prices because we have the insurance claim. If you hire somebody without the workers' comp insurance, then you're on the hook for that. And that's a scary thing because back injuries happen a lot. All the time. All the time. (laughs) Also, an agency is going to cover their income taxes. So that is not a problem. You know, there comes a point where the IRS says, oh, you're paying this amount of money to an individual. You have to start contributing to their Social Security, paying income taxes, that sort of thing. With an agency... They are employees, and you don't have to worry about that. Registries, typically, is going to be a 1099 employee, an independent contractor. So less control, less getting to know that person, and also more financial, more of a financial risk working with that person because you don't have the workers' comp. Some of them may actually have it as an individual, but then you've got to ask every person coming into your home, do you have workers' compensation insurance? Are you taking care of your taxes? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Another thing that makes us different, the agency typically is going to do more of the background screening. We do not only level one background check, which is required by law in the state of Florida for an agency. It looks at the criminal activity in the state of Florida. We also do level two because we know most of the people in Florida have come here from somewhere else. So we're going to go ahead and do a nationwide background check. So if you are a bad person in Georgia and you come to Florida, that may not show with a level one background check. So in our level two, we're going to catch that. We also do drug screening, check your driving records, make sure you're legal to work in this country. So it's a lot of looking into that individual caregiver before we put them into someone's home. A registry may not do all of that work. Some of them might, some of them might not, but you really have to dig deeper and you have lower expectations going into that, if that makes sense. It does. And what I'm kind of hearing and I'm correct, you know, checking to make sure I'm interpreting this correctly is if by some unusual circumstance I have a bit of an issue with the person that's in my home from an agency, I can call the agency and say, I'm a little concerned about, you know, yes. Sarah. And you have recourse because that's your employee, whereas if it's a registry, I may be told, well, you know, uh, we don't really have a lot of control over that. They're their own entity, um, that right. sort of thing. Is that? Am I interpreting that correctly? Absolutely. And it's not easy being a boss. You don't want to have to provide all the feedback, have that uncomfortable conversation. So instead, you would call senior helpers and say, Sarah keeps showing up late. Sarah's on her phone all the time. Well, we take that information and we have that conversation with Sarah. You just need to let us know if that conversation worked or if Sarah needs to be replaced by somebody else. 
If you think Sarah's absolutely not the right fit, you don't have to fire her. We're going to take care of that. So we're getting rid of a lot of uncomfortable conversations that way. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a really stress-free situation. And it's so important when you're talking about needing home help. Also, we get calls sometimes at ADRC uh, from people who don't understand saying, do you have any private caregivers? And our answer is always and will always be no, because of much of what you've just said, but in particular, that all-important background screening. Yes. And especially when you go through the federal level. Right. Because if you hire somebody off the street, you are taking such risk. And we see it on the news here in Florida almost Ugh. weekly of just tragic circumstances. So right. um, thank you for, for walking us through the, the somewhat complicated but very important factors of knowing the difference between private agency versus registry and why we should be, you know, everybody makes their own decisions. But right. in my world, I would be heading for an agency. Yes, and it, there is that money factor. It is more to work with an agency, but you do get what you pay for. Um, I can understand you wanting to, to go cheap and getting that private person who took care of your neighbor's mother's sister. She may have been great with them, but it may not be a fit for your person. And that's also something we try to work on is getting the right fit in there. So it's, you know, it's... I'm just going to tell you all day long, <laughs> you should right. go with an agency. Right. I understand why people go with private because the cost is less, but the risk is so much greater as well. It is. And exactly what you explained, too. The person, the private person may be very good for taking care of someone, let's say, post-stroke, but they are not very good when met with the complexities of Lewy body dementia. And that Correct. brings me to ask you a question about training for your, your team, your care team. Um, what sort of training do they undergo? Are there, are there certifications? I mean, how is that handled? Right. So we are either going to send out a certified nursing assistant, which will have his or her own certifications by the state, or a home health aide, which is not as, you know, with the paperwork, but we're still training everybody the same. You come in. And we're going to give you about an hour of solid dementia training with a Tipa Snow program. We think Tipa Snow is amazing. So they're going to get that. And then we're going to go through transfers. We're going to go through what a DNR is. We do a half a day of solid training. We're just going to assume they don't know everything, right, coming in. They may have 20 years of experience or they may have just taken care of their grandmother. We give them all the same training and review all of that. Now... Having said that, if they're going into a situation, they look at the care plan they've gotten, and they're like, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. I haven't worked with this before. Then we bring them back into the office, and our nurse, one of our two nurses on staff, can give them a training on exactly how to do that, or even meet at the home and show them and the care partner, who may also not know how to change that bag, to show them how to do it. So that's another way that it's a team an agency is a team, so if that one caregiver needs knowledge, absolutely. They always have the people at the office there to call and go, well, this behavior has changed. I can't get hold of the relative. What am I supposed to do? We're going to talk them through that whole thing. Okay, yeah, and that's so important in so many, you know, I always think in 
of course, in terms of dementia, but when you're talking about caring for somebody post-stroke or someone who might have Parkinson's disease or ALS or, or any other chronic illness right. or, or even short-term post-op kind of thing, cardiac care, it is important to know that the professional caregiver has at least um, a, a toolbox of skills that they bring to your home to help with everything. So right. that's good to know. And we're looking for the people with the right heart. Yes. We can teach the rest. But if you don't have that heart filled with compassion, it's just not going to be a fit even after 100 hours of training. Right. It, it begins and ends right there, doesn't right. it? It really does. So how do we pay for all of this? Oh, very good question, yeah, Edith. Ugly old money. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, um, usually you're going to be private pay. And that's out of pocket. So it's a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. Is it a wonderful resource if you can afford it? 1,000%. I couldn't have done it, honestly, without the caregivers in my life. I would have been just a pile of tears in my closet. <laughs> and, and that's why I brought them in in the first place, because I thought I could do it all, but I couldn't. So it's worth it. But private pay, most likely that's how you're going to pay. If you were smart and purchased long-term care insurance, smart in my opinion, and others' opinions not so smart, but long-term care insurance will often pay for this. There are programs. Uh, the Veterans Administration will pay for some in-home care under some circumstances. But we get a call at least twice a week, somebody calling up and saying, Medicare pays for this, correct? No. Medicare is not going to pay for one person to come to one home to care for you for four hours. It is just not the best way for them to spend money because they're trying to save money. But there are some Medicare Advantage plans that may cover it. But then you've got to work to find an agency that accepts that insurance. So it could possibly happen, but it's not going to be easy. And you can look at um, if the parent's home is paid off, you can get the reverse mortgage. That's not the horrible thing it used to be. So there are options. So make the call. And we can talk with you about what those options are. If you think it's just totally out of the picture, you know what? Let's look at it and see if we can find some answers. If we can't, no problem. We always part as friends. Good information. And at the risk of sounding, and I do not mean to, but at the risk of sounding like I don't understand, um, I have to say this based on what you said even about yourself. No one can do this alone. No. Particularly when you are talking about a dementia-related illness. And if you feel that the X amount of dollars, you know, the hourly fee is too much, I'm going to strongly encourage you to look at where you can practice economies in your life and find that money. Get someone else to help you. I mean, yes. unless you truly, truly are the only person, get an adult kid. Get a, you know, get that beloved niece. Ask for that sort of help because, you know, we have all kinds of ugly statistics about losing the home caregiver before we lose the person with the illness. So you cannot yes. do it alone. Um, and as we learned in a previous podcast, there may be some government funding that can help you too. Absolutely. Uh, so don't assume that you can't afford it, mm -hmm. but you start by calling your agency, you know, that you're of your of your choice, and going from there, having a frank discussion about how am I going to pay for this? Right, and that's something definitely to look into. And I do want to reiterate what you just said. Sometimes we lose the caregiver before the person needing the care 
because the stress of caregiving is immense. It is not a one-person job. I know I started off thinking, yeah, I can carry a full-time job and take care of a person with Lewy body disease. I couldn't. There was no way possible. This is my mother. I love her right. enough. I can do this. Right. right? No, no. But then I started, you know, the resentment builds, and it's like she's no longer my mother. She's my burden. And that's not the place I wanted to be. Yeah. So I did call for help, and it was a game changer. If I could have 12 hours a week to myself of only worrying about me, I became a better person, a better wife, a better employee. So... Yeah, that's really why we're bringing it in. And I would go and visit people, and they would say, well, what are they going to do for four hours? Well, here's the thing. When you have your babysitter take care of your kids, you don't give them a list of things to do because their priority is taking care of that child, okay? So the priority is for the main caregiver, the family caregiver, to get the time off that they need, and somebody is looking out for that senior. Now, we can do a lot. Uh, we start with companion care, just somebody to hang out with. If the main family caregiver is out of town, this is especially important. We know after COVID how important socialization is. It's somebody else to talk to. You have to gossip about your, your primary caregiver to somebody else and get all those vents out, sure, right? Yeah. Sure. Oh, my gosh. Her lasagna is the worst. Did you see that dress she was right, wearing? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to have that buffer person to come in. Yes. So they're going to help you if it's um, early in the disease, possibly do jigsaw puzzles, that sort of thing. Fix a meal for them. Take them to the grocery store if they're still, you know, possible to do that. There are tons of things we can do. Assist with taking care of the pet so the pet can stay in the home, but now somebody can clean up the litter box or take the dog for a walk. So that's the, the companion care we usually start with. And then we move into personal care. It's the same price, okay? That's how we do it at Senior Helpers. But now we're doing hands-on care. We need help with showering. We need help with toileting, incontinence, those sort of very personal things. So I really prefer that somebody start off with some companion care a few times a week to get used to having a caregiver in the home. And then as the disease progresses, our time with that person progresses. Because if you come out of the hospital and go from totally independent at home to 24-7 care, it's not fun. Yeah, absolutely. When you talk about the companion care, can they also do things like go to a museum or go for yes. a walk on, you know, on an established trail, birding trail, that kind of thing? Yeah. Can a caregiver, a professional caregiver through an agency, um, well, obviously, if they can go places, they can give the person they're caring for rides in their car. They're covered by insurance if yes. something disastrous should happen. Right. Good to know. Good to know. Yes. And light housekeeping. Now, uh, if you're older, I always say, let's save our energy for something we enjoy. I don't enjoy housekeeping, so I'm always like, look at this dream list of things that we are able to do. We can sweep that floor. We can dust. It's in the main areas that your person is living. So usually that's going to be one bedroom, one bathroom in the kitchen. We're not coming in as a clean team. If that's what you need, you need to find a cleaning right, team. Right. But they're no longer having to get out the, the broom. And if they have a balance issue, we don't want them sweeping that floor. It is a safety hazard. And another thing that senior helpers will do and other agencies might do is a safety check. We're going to put eyes, neutral eyes, into that home and show where that rug is that needs to be put up, why it's not great to have on that stack of mail next to the stove because it's a fire hazard. So we're going to go in and help 
even with the hours that we aren't there, try to eliminate some safety needs? Yes, safety is such a huge issue, and it's things like um, tripping and falling are are kind of common things. But when someone gets uh, some balance issues going on, even something as simple as bending over to to pick up a towel can be an issue. I know at Senior Helpers you use a very extensive assessment tool. Can you talk about that a little bit? I love it. It is the Life Profile Tool. We have partnered with a company that spent over 20 years researching preventable causes of seniors going to the hospital, all right? So it's not that heart attack. That's what the doctor is trying to help us to prevent. But it's that trip. It's that fall, that sort of thing. So they found 144 statistically significant safety risks in the home. If we can go from 144 possible risk, if that number is under 40, we can breathe a sigh of relief. If that number is over 40, it's not a question of if you're going to the hospital, but when. Uh, So we like to come in and work with a family to eliminate those safety risks. Sometimes it is a rug. A lot of times they're using a rollator, the walker on all four wheels, instead of a standard walker. If you have a balance issue, that's a horrible idea. So there's a few people that a rollator is the perfect answer for, but not many. So we go in there and do that. We also work with quality of life. What is your reason for getting out of bed in the morning? You should be doing six or seven different things every day that bring you joy. And that's something I also work with people my age. You know, you can't just go on automatic. There's got to be that, you know, for me, I love to have my cup of coffee and watch some of the Today Show. That just gets my day off to the right start. It's going to be something different for everyone. But it's also something that they can say, well, you know, I used to love taking my dog for a walk. All right, well, then let's remember that when the physical therapists come in and let's keep doing your exercises so we can get you back to the place of doing that. We're going to look at the burden of the caregiver. This is big. So if I would have taken that quiz when I was taking care of mom, they would have seen it was having a detrimental effect on my health. So we can point that out to the family caregiver and go, this is why you need us in here. Because if you go first or if you develop a debilitating medical illness because of being a caregiver, then that's just a lot of money thrown down the drain instead of just paying for us to come in here. Yeah, yeah. And the the all-important thing, too, or one of the many, is if something happens to the caregiver, mm. then where is our person? You know, what what is your plan, right? right. And, and, a, and a home health agency that you've already begun to work with yes. and your person's familiar with, there's a real key factor in your plan if something happens because we see that caregivers have to have their knees replaced their hip replaced mm-hmm. oh my gosh they suddenly develop you know catastrophic illness you know and they need right. operations so if you're already established so we tell people don't wait until the crisis no. happens get it get it going early on it's a great safety net to put in place yeah. we recently had a client the wife was the main caregiver she was in a car accident had to be in the hospital. Now she's in rehab. She had no backup plan. Oh, boy. Oh so, boy. yeah, you know, finally somebody had time to fly in from out of town, but it was it yeah. was not a great situation to start care. Yeah. Whatever you have in place today, listeners, is your plan. So if it's not going to cover what you need, change that plan. And so when we're talking about um, having everything in place and everything seems to be going well, on occasion, it's life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, personalities don't go so well or our person, and this happens often, 
well, often enough to be noticeable, where our person is okay, but they have a dementia-related illness and they progress into a different state of mind and suddenly they're not okay with the way things are going. So what do we do when a problem arises? If, if uh, What does the consumer do? How do they say to you, we got a problem? Who do they right. talk to? Right. So they're going to call the office and talk to just about anybody there has some experience with dementia or being a caregiver. We can put them through to our nurse. Sometimes they put them through to me. And it's like, okay, let's look at this problem. Is it the caregiver the problem or is it the disease and how it's being managed? Let's try to fix it first before we bring in another body. Honestly, right now, it's a tough time to find a lot of extra bodies. So the workforce is another challenge we're dealing with. So let's try to fix it with the two people that we have with training and with different techniques. If that doesn't work, then yes, we do start looking for another person. But you always have that phone call to make 24-7 with senior helpers. We've got people on call that can call you back and help you with that question. Also, not to get too disgusting, but (laughs) one thing that helped me, 10 o'clock at night, I'm changing my mother's Depends, and there's some blood. Oh, boy. I don't know what that means. I am not a doctor and didn't know what I know now. I got to call senior helpers at 10 o'clock at night. Somebody called me back, talked me through it, and said, Robin, this is not not 911. Go see the doctor tomorrow, and everything's going to be okay. So having that... And part of your care team is huge. It is huge. And I know from personal experience with you that, you know, on a Sunday, right, I got a call and then translated it to you. So, yeah, yeah, very, very important uh, factors to consider. And especially now, and we won't get political and we certainly won't go down this rabbit hole, but I have had a remarkable increase, a significant increase in phone calls from families who are evidencing or stating growing concerns with the care their person is getting in assisted living in particular. Um, I did a little digging and found out some of the laws have changed. And again, we won't get Mm. political, but, you know, nobody asked my permission to change those laws. (laughs) (laughs) So um, then you naturally think, right, Mm -hmm. well, gee, I'm going to bring my person home and now I need home health care. Right. So overall, 24-7 home health care is pretty cost prohibitive to someone who doesn't have long-term care or that sort of thing. But is it possible? Do you provide that? Absolutely. And it just depends on each individual person and their needs and sometimes their budget. So not only do we work at home, but we can also go into the assisted living And we also work with hospice. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Well, only about 10% of people live in assisted living. So home health is important uh, to know about, to understand, um, to employ, to use in in any number of ways. So um, thank you for leading us through what can be complex. And it doesn't have to be, right? Absolutely. And just call our office, um, 407-628. Four three five seven. If you're in the Central Florida area, which is Osceola, Orange, and Seminole counties, Senior Helpers is nationwide, and we're in Canada and Australia. If that's where you're listening oh, nice. to it, yes. Nice. So, um, and we'll just try to guide you to the right choices. You know, that's that's the part that counts, right? Making the best choice we can with what we know. So, thank you so much. 
Thank you so much. So here we go with the stuff we say at the with the stuff we say at the end of the show. If you need to reach out to us, email us informedagingpodcast at gmail.com. On Instagram and Twitter, we're at informed underscore aging. Facebook, you'll find us Facebook.com informed aging. Today's episode was recorded at Digital Broadcasting's podcast studio in Longwood, Florida. That's it for now. Looking forward to our next visit.